The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Meditation doesn't have to be a solo practice. Meditation is more fun with friends. Looking for a way to drop in and hang out at the same time? Join us online at Omega Institute for a meditation party with self-proclaimed meditation nerds Dan Harris, host of the 10% Happier podcast, Sabene Selassie and Jeff Warren. This three-day retreat will stream live from Omega's Hudson Valley Campus, May 17th to 19th. Don't miss the party. Reserve your spot at eomega.org slash party today. Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. from Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington. If you'd like to join in the discussion, email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm or call into the program with your questions. Now, here's your host, Reverend Anna Schaus. Welcome to the Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet, where we support your spiritual growth in recovery. My name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your host, and I want to thank all of you for joining us today. We're very glad that you're listening with us, and thank you for contacting us on Facebook. We love it when you like us. You go to the Spirit of Recovery page on Facebook, and also thanks for sending in those emails. Uh, It's great to hear from you, great to hear what's touching your heart, what's uh, energizing your recovery, and what's happening for you in your life and your recovery. So thanks so much for listening, and thanks for participating. And uh, we're also grateful that you are spreading the word about Spirit of Recovery, letting the people in your uh, community, your spiritual community, your unity community, your recovery community, your friends and family know about us, because uh, we bring you great guests every week. And people that are either in recovery themselves, work with recovering people, write for or teach recovering people, or sometimes all of the above, and they are always bringing you down-to-earth information, inspiration, enthusiasm, and lots of great ideas that enhance the whole process of recovery. We know that you know you can hear Spirit of Recovery every week. You can listen um, via your computer, you can listen via your smartphone or other mobile devices, and you can also uh, listen anytime, 24-7, to the archives. Those are on www.unity.fm backslash program backslash spirit of recovery, and you can always listen. So um, there are lots and lots of ways for you to access the great guests, the great programs that we have here on Spirit of Recovery. We want you to know that the spirit of recovery is a welcoming place. We know that recovery is a large concept and uh, a, a large community. So if you're a person that's in recovery from any kind of an addiction or if you're the family member or friend uh, of somebody with the disease of addiction, if you're in your own recovery or you're not, if you're just interested, curious, you want to know some more about the disease of addiction and about recovery, if you want to know about recovery as a family member or friend, um, we welcome you here at Spirit of Recovery, and we welcome your participation. Again, my name is Anna Schaus, and I'm your Spirit of Recovery host. 
I'm a unity minister and an addictions counselor. I'm also a person that has in my own circle of love and friendship many people with the disease of addiction. And years ago, those relationships got me involved in my own personal path of growth and recovery and spiritual development. So my spiritual walk is an integration of the unity principles, recovery principles, and those communities and those uh, guidelines really help me a lot and keep me growing and keep me finding that relationship with my higher power in ever deeper ways. So I'm very grateful, very delighted to have the opportunity to bring you guests to share these ideas with you and to hear what's happening for you in your life. Well, today our topic is young, joyous, and free. Young people in recovery today are really making waves in a fabulous way. Young people in recovery are making waves of energy, optimism, and commitment to long-term sobriety. There's some important movements going on amongst young people in recovery, and they're really leading the way in building a lot of support for a sustained high quality of life, for constructive participation in society, and uh, for really knowing that uh, addiction, while it's certainly a serious disease, is really, uh, when one gets in recovery, it's a gateway to a very uh, positive, a very fruitful life. And so today I've got a guest who's uh, very active as a young person, and she's going to be sharing with us a lot of what's going on with young people in recovery. My guest is Sarah Nerad. She's a young person who is in long-term recovery herself since 2007. She is also a founding member of the group Young People in Recovery, and she's also a co-founder of PTR Associates, which stands for Prevention, Treatment, and Recovery, and she uh, has been very active in the recovery community. She uh, graduated summa cum laude from uh, Texas Tech University with a bachelor's degree in community family and addiction services, and she was chosen as the outstanding student in her major, major for the 2011 and 2012 academic year. She was also an active member in the collegiate recovery community and the affiliate student organization, the Association of Students About Service. She um, has also... Uh, participated with SAMHSA, which is the Substance Abuse and Mental Health uh, organization from our United States government. She's been an intern. She's worked um, with them in the Department of Consumer Affairs, and she has been very active in presenting a lot of seminars and educational events as part of this role. Sarah is currently at Ohio State University. She's pursuing her master's degree in public administration, and she's also active in helping get a recovery housing and collegiate recovery community started there. She's uh, working on her licensed alcohol and drug counselor certification, and she is making it her life purpose to create the same opportunities for recovery that she's had uh, for other young people in recovery. So, Sarah, thank you for being a guest with us today on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you so much for having me. We're very, very glad that you're here. So tell us a little bit, uh, Sarah, about how you got started uh, in your own recovery process. What got you on that recovery path? Sure. I, you know, being a minor and still being in high school, my parents, you know, had a pretty significant role in my treatment and my recovery. You know, when you're, when you're a minor, you're, 
you can be signed into places against your will. <laughs> and, you know, for me, that, that worked in my favor. If I had the option to not go, I don't know that I would have ever sought help. So the fact that I was underage and my parents were very proactive in, you know, taking, when they saw the problem and they, they realized the scope of it, you know, taking some action. So um, I went to treatment twice and that second time when I was 17, I was in a, you know, I was in a different place with my, my addiction and I started to really hear the message and to realize, you know, where my life was going to be going. You know, at 17 years old, as a junior in high school um, and doing the things that I was doing, there's not much um, upward mobility that I would have been able to make in my life in terms of success and happiness and, you know, continuing to grow as a person. So, you know, treatment was very helpful for me. I got involved in mutual support groups in my area. And a lot of that was very, this is very strange. I had never, you know, I hadn't seen a lot of movies where they, they showed what this, you know, this whole process looked like. I hadn't had friends that really went through it. I didn't know people in my community. So I was, I really was just doing whatever people told me to do. And fortunately I kept going and I eventually, you know, internally I really understood what this whole thing was about. Um, you know, getting involved academically has been incredibly helpful for my recovery. I It keeps me out of trouble. If I have a lot of free time, I'm probably going to start, you know, just not making the best choices of school and not just attending school, but getting involved. You know, student life, clubs, organizations, working on campus, that has been very fulfilling for me and provided me with opportunities that otherwise I wouldn't have had. And, I mean, those things I'm continuing to do today. You know, I've been in recovery for, you know, five years now, and I'm still going to school, and I'm still involved there, and, you know, continuing to grow up, you know, in every sense of the word. Right. You. What I, one thing I'm really struck me as you were talking, Sarah, is how there were a lot of uh, resources available to you. I'm going to ask you to, to go back a little bit to high school because so, it sounds like sure. that you, you got started in your recovery when you were in high school. Sometimes mm-hmm. that's such a hard place for uh, teens in recovery is they feel so out of it with their peer group. If they're in recovery, it seems like they sometimes they can really... It, it's so hard for them, it seems like. But what was what specifically was different for you in high school? that kept you on that recovery path and got you engaged? Yeah, my school district had an alternative school that every, you know, everyone in the district could choose to attend. It was much smaller. You had um, more individualized attention. The learning style was completely different, and there was a lot of freedom. So that, that freedom enabled me to, you know, call my support you know, my friends and peers that were um, supporting me in my recovery. It allowed me to to write if I needed to. It allowed me to um, do things to take care of my recovery that if I had stayed at my regular high school with the same peers, I don't know that I would have had that flexibility to, like, really just be able to take care of myself. And I'm I'm from Houston, and we have um, sober high schools there, but the school that I came from, they didn't know about it, and my parents didn't know about it. So even though, like, my city had these great resources that I could have utilized, we didn't even know about it. 
So I was really lucky that by just switching schools and going to school, there was a little bit of a different learning style that that really worked for me. But other kids, I don't know what they do, you know. Mm-hmm. So in Houston, then, they have public high schools some that are actually sober high schools as well, but but it sounds like that's not... Um, they're, they're private schools mm-hmm. that, um, that you can choose to go to, correct? Mm-hmm. That's great. That's great. Yeah. So it, it's wonderful that you did have the opportunity to go to that alternative uh, school and, as you said, do what you need to do to take care of yourself. I'm curious right. to, uh, to pursue that a little bit more. Were the other uh, teenagers in your high school, were they aware that you were in recovery or not, or how did that work? Was there a peer group for you at the school? The students there knew that I was in recovery. It's kind of funny. My dad actually teaches there. And so everyone knew that Mr. Nirad's daughter was coming to the school. So when I get there, you know, it, you know, I kind of was showing up on a bad note. Um, you know, I was going there because I needed help getting into recovery, and that's why I was, I was switching schools. So they all, you know, they all knew. And, and I was very open about it because I learned early on that if I was open with people about my recovery and what I was going through and what I needed that my chances of staying in recovery were, were better because I communicated. I told people, you know, I need, you know, you're talking about, you know, the party that you guys all went to last weekend. I need to excuse myself from this conversation. Um, so it allowed me to just stick up for myself. And, and my peers were all, uh, they were very supportive of it. I think it was because it was just a different school environment. There, there were some other folks that had previously gone to treatment themselves or were, um, kind of in their own path, but there was no one there that was like actively working a recovery program like I was. But I didn't feel like I stuck out or was different in any way. By the time, the, the end of my junior year, at that point I did start to feel a little bit different because I maybe had, you know, six or seven months at this point and they noticed that I was, you know, no longer drinking and using drugs, but all my peers were really starting to. So I made the decision to go to summer school so that I could graduate high school early to kind of to get out of that environment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So you also were involved in helping the group Young People in Recovery get started. And I think that's that's based in St. Paul, Minnesota. Is that correct? Or um, I'm not sure where their, their headquarters is right now. It, it very well may be. That might be where their tax ID number is. Right. And I know you're not actively involved in that anymore, but you helped it get started. Tell us ab- about that, what that is or was uh, as you helped it get started and what motivated you and kind of what the purpose is or was. Right. I know so they're was, still active, but you're, you've gone on to other things. But anyway, youngpeopleinrecovery.org, what's that about? How did you get involved with that, starting it? Back in December of 2010, I was in my first semester at Texas Tech, and I, I was asked to go to Baltimore, Maryland, for this meeting that SAMHSA was sponsoring for all these youth and young adults that were in recovery, and I had no idea what this was. I mean, it was just total, totally unknown, um, but a group of us went, and so we were in this room, and there were like 40 other young people from all across the country that were in recovery, and we talked about what worked for us, what didn't work, what we needed, what we would like to see the government do, what we would like to see our communities do. 
and we were we were heard uh, and talking about a lot of these issues that I had never talked about before, really thought about. Um, you know, it had always just honestly been very much about me. You know, what do I need? What works for me? You know, but this allowed all of us, I think, to change our view and, you know, what can we do to help all the young people that are struggling or that are in recovery to help make this stick and to give them a chance, you know, to have just this awesome, fulfilling life. And so from that, we had subsequent meetings and we realized that there's no national advocacy group dedicated solely to young people in recovery. And so a group of us, again, from like all over the country came together, you know, via, you know, conference calls and, you know, the webcam and everything that, everything that technology and the Internet has to offer us. And we started working to form a nonprofit organization. And it was the, an absolute joy, and it was an incredible two years of my life. I learned so much um, during that time, and I you know, got to network with people all over the country. I mean, this met some of the most amazing people and still keep in touch with all of them, and they're, they're growing strong. They have chapters across the U.S., and, I mean, they're doing great things. I mean, they're going to really put youth recovery and addiction issues on the map at the local, state, and national level, and it's great to see. Great. What what were some of the issues that y'all discussed and, and addressed uh, that are important for young people in recovery? Yeah, definitely some of the stuff that was universal that we all kind of felt was, you know, lack of support in schools. Um, so we did, we've done work, you know, with recovery high schools and collegiate recovery programs. So an issue we talked a lot about, the criminal justice system, um, very much about the stigma of not only being in recovery, but being a young person in recovery, being told, you know, well, I spilt more than you drank. Or, you know, there's no way, you know, that you, you know, you really had, you know, a problem. You were so young. You know, how can you, you know, minimizing our problems. You know, we talked a lot about that. Um, the funding piece, um, not having access, not having information. I mean, like I said, I there was a recovery high school in my in the city I grew up in, but no, we didn't even know about it. So there's resources out there, but no one knows. And how do we connect everyone? Mm-hmm. We're going to break right now for uh, our first break here in Spirit of Recovery. And when we come back, I'm going to, uh, we'll talk with Sarah some more about what some of the solutions are to those uh, situations that young people face in recovery and hear how it is that young people are making those fantastic waves. So we're going to go on break right now and stay with us. We'll be right back and continue my conversation about Young, Joyous, and Free with my guest, Sarah Nerad. As Unity Online Radio continues to expand its programming and outreach to the world, we count on the support of listeners like you. Please make your donation today. Go to www.unity.fm and click on Donate Now. Have you asked your soul what it wants? Or are you so busy meeting the needs of everyone else? Family, friends, children, bosses? 
that you haven't checked in with the part of you that matters most? Janet Connor asked this question and received an answer. Your soul wants five things. That's it. Five things. Your soul wants to connect with source, commit to values, serve a purpose, express itself creatively, and last, it longs to create a beautiful, abundant life. Janet Connor teaches five wisdom habits that meet those needs. You can take each course separately or register for the complete Your Soul Wants Five Things series and receive $1,000 in bonuses for free. Visit JanetConnor.com and explore all five courses in her signature series, Your Soul Wants Five Things. Your soul will thank you. Just what does that dream mean? Ever wake up from a crazy dream and wonder what it meant? Have you had a recurring dream all your life and you just can't get it to stop? Get all your questions about dreams and dream interpretation answered by the leading expert in the field. Unity Online Radio is home to America's leading dream expert, Dr. Michael Lennox. And on Mondays at 2 p.m. Central, the doctor is definitely in. Tune in to Dream Interpretation with Dr. Michael Lennox, only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. You're listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you'd like to share your questions, comments, and experience with today's topics, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're listening with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Young, Joyous, and Free. And we're talking about what young people in recovery are doing to make great waves of energy, optimism, and commitment to high quality of life, high quality of sobriety, high quality of family life, and high quality of contribution and service um, in their communities and to our society. My guest is Sarah Nerad. Sarah is a young person in recovery herself. Uh, she is also very active in many ways um, with young people in recovery in a variety of ways. She's the co-founder of PTR Associates, and you can read about that at ptrassociates.com. That stands for Prevention, Treatment, and Recovery. It's a consulting firm that uh, she and a colleague have just begun. Also, Sarah has worked for SAMHSA, which is the uh, U.S. Department of uh, that deals with substance abuse and mental health issues. She's been an intern with them and presented numerous workshops and seminars and participated uh, in that. She participated in uh, helping create young people in recovery dot org. And she is also right now pursuing her master's degree at Ohio State University in public administration as well as getting her hours and her uh, coursework to become a licensed alcohol and drug counselor. And she's also already worked in the uh, field of alcohol and drug treatment. So Sarah's uh, got lots of got lots of credentials to be talking about this, and so we're glad to have her on here. 
Before we return to our conversation with Sarah, I invite you to join me for a brief moment in the Serenity Minute. I invite you to just take a breath to relax as we take a moment to uh, affirm a constructive idea, to relax, to get in touch with that presence and that power that is our higher power, and to feel that loving presence of that higher power. So I invite you to share with me this constructive idea. I let waves of optimism and commitment to living energize my life. I let waves of optimism and commitment to living energize my life. And now I invite you to relax for the serenity moment. friends for joining me in the Serenity Minute. I trust that that was uh, an opportunity for you to allow your mind to become quiet for just a moment and get in touch with that presence that is your higher power. And now we're back to our conversation with my guest, Sarah Nerad, and our topic, Young, Joyous, and Free. So Sarah, before the break, you were telling us about uh, how you were brought together by SAMHSA, the government agency, with the, uh, many other young people across the country to address uh, some really important issues uh, for young people in recovery. What are some of the solutions that uh, you're working on that you see happening across uh, the U.S.? I think one of the biggest solutions I see is the young people themselves are mobilizing. They are coming together and forming groups to advocate in their local communities and at the national level for what they need. I mean, they're really they're coming out of hiding and letting people know that they're here. And by doing that, people are able to hear, number one, that there's hope, you know, that you can recover and, you know, you're not going to be this problem child forever. It gives parents whose children are struggling tremendous hope, you know, to see young people in recovery. And... And they're getting involved. I mean, they're not just, like, coming out and, you know, maybe speaking somewhere. They're sticking around. They want to serve on your advisory council of your organization. They want to get to be involved in organizations. They want to take leadership roles. I mean, they, they're serious. And, I mean, that's, that's where we're going to make change that really helps young people is by getting other young people involved. Because we know best, like, what, what is cool and hip and what the other young people like and what worked for us and what didn't. We know because we lived it and we're still living it. You know, I'm 22 years old. I can, you know, I can tell you what all the other young kids are doing because I'm one of them. And I think that that's, you know, really going to make a difference in the long run. And, and they have big aspirations. You know, they're, you know, I know some folks that are working at in federal agencies that are young people in recovery. And they're, they're getting involved there to really make a difference and to show, you know, all of those folks that this is possible. And... You know, again, I think by doing all of this, like the biggest thing is hope. I mean, just 
by being vocal and visible about it. People are going to see it. They're going to change the stigma. People are going to know how to support us. Colleges are going to, you know, be able to wake up and see, oh, okay, maybe this is happening on my campus, but there is a solution. And these young people want to get involved and help make it happen and make it stick. Right. You uh, are now, I believe, at um, Ohio State. You're involved in helping uh, get a collegiate recovery community, and I think started in. You also did that at Texas Tech. Tell us what that is and how you get it going and how it works. Sure. Collegiate recovery communities and housing and programs are a fantastic on-campus support for these students that have already made the decision to live a life in recovery. Um, I wish I could say that I started the program at Texas Tech, but I just had the the absolute joy of getting to be a part of it. And that was one of the first programs started in the country. We had um, our own building that we were able to, you know, to drop in throughout the day in between classes. It was a safe space for us. You know, I was fortunate I was in an academic program that a lot of the other students were very familiar with addiction and recovery and so I wasn't constantly being, you know, bombarded with, you know, temptations and conversations I didn't really want to hear and, you know, annoying people talking about, you know, all the cool stuff that was going on that I choose not to be a part of anymore. Um, you know, but other kids aren't as fortunate, and they are in classes where nobody knows anything about recovery. So this physical space on campus is our safe haven. And we had, you know, counselors that were there that specifically worked just with us, and we had academic support. We had on-campus support group meetings. I mean, it was just wonderful. And and since graduating from Texas Tech, I did initially go off to another school in Boston that did not have any program like this. And I thought, you know, surely with, you know, five years in recovery, like, I will not have a problem getting a master's degree and being at a school that doesn't have a program. And I can tell you it was very lonely. Mm-hmm. And it was tough. And you know, it was very hard to just get connected and get plugged in. It's a very different feel. And, you know, I really, I mean, my heart goes out to all the, you know, the college students that are at school that don't have a program because I now have experience, you know, how how tough that can be. And unfortunately, um, you know, my higher power answered my prayers and I was able to transfer to Ohio State University and, get to help them start their collegiate recovery program. And we want to have housing. We want to have a drop-in center. And, you know, we're getting getting together, forming committees. We're finding our students. We're applying for funding. And, and it's great to be at a campus that is so supportive of this. You know, they, they wanted me knowing my history and, and knowing my past. I mean, I think that's great when people are just fully open to bringing these students on their campus and supporting them, you know, because I'm going to stay and I'm going to contribute and I'm going to give back. I mean, that's a service and giving back is a huge component of recovery. So I know I think every college is crazy not to want to have as many students in recovery on the campus as possible, you know, just because of the principles of recovery and, and how we, and, you know, we're good for the school. We're helping to change the culture from one that's a lot of times very focused on drinking and partying to one of, Let's just try and be the best person that we can be. So I'm, I'm very excited to get to help, you know, this amazing school start their program and to help change lives and support other students because, um, you know, like I said, it's tough. It's very tough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, I love what you're saying there, that whole attitude of a school administration, uh, as you said, to bring on recovering students 
proactively really is is wonderful and it's a whole turnaround you know from from an a really unenlightened view of, oh, my goodness, you know, oh, you know, we don't want those people around. But as you said, it's 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 a, actually the best thing to do because, um, it, as you already said, that it transforms the whole atmosphere and gives a whole different focus and an opportunity to all the students and gives a different feel to the whole culture of the campus. Um, and it, it's a great thing. I'm glad, just so glad to, to hear that. Um, you brought up your higher power. So how does spirituality fit into uh, recovery for young people? Uh, is it, do you think it's any different from uh, older folks or not? I don't know. We hear a lot of talk these days about how people want to be spiritual, not religious. And, and that's always been an idea in recovery community anyway. But I don't know. How, how do young people address spirituality? Or probably many ways. But what would you say about that? I know for me, spirituality was very tough initially. I mean, I'm sure that's the same for a lot of people in recovery. You just when you you first, you know, come in, it's difficult. You know, I I grew up, you know, in a religious. Um, I grew up, you know, going to church and all of that. And um, but I think the good thing about being young is that I don't have as much time um, turning away from my higher power and from being lost. Um, so it's much easier, I think, for us to kind of come back because there hasn't been, like, years and years and years of, of no faith and no hope. So I, I had, like, a shorter amount of time, and I think from what I've seen with my, my friends is they're, I think they're, they're very open-minded to trying kind of alternative ways, um, yoga and reading different books on all sorts of stuff. Um, I don't see as many of them going... Um, you know, the religious route, um, although that's something I've recently started to pursue because I like to keep things. I think with spirituality, I always have to keep it interesting and mm-hmm. changing and growing because I get bored. I get bored with everything I do. So something has to keep my interest. And I think young people, their spiritual life is absolutely as important to them as it is for older adults. Absolutely. But I... I really don't know how different it would be for them. Um, so, because I, I feel, I think the great thing about recovery is that I can talk to anyone no matter what their age. Because we're all, we have this huge thing in common, this huge thing. So I think that's, you know, and spirituality is absolutely a part of this. So, mm-hmm. Well, that, that brings up another point that um, what, in terms of the relationship of young people in recovery to older adults or uh, even just a little older than young, whatever, that are also in recovery, um, how is that going? I know, there again, there's been just a, a, a mixed history of that uh, in recovery community. Sometimes it's been like you said, oh, great, doesn't matter what age we're, we're all together. Other times, as you mentioned earlier, there's been some sense of, you know, you couldn't be a, addicted, you're you know, too young. I don't know. What's it like today? Do you think it's any different than it was, or is it positive, or how's that going? I think the culture is changing a little bit. I think as these recovery high schools are popping up and the collegiate recovery programs, I think more older folks are, you know, recognizing, um, you know, that we can be the real deal, you know, and, and actually need this because our lives depend on it. And, and I challenge folks to 
you know, kind of give me a hard time about having, you know, gotten into recovery at 17. You say, well, think back to what you were doing when you were 17. You know, I'm sure you, you had problematic drinking and drug use as well, you know, and um, I will never feel bad because I got this at an early age, um, and you're not going to be able to get rid of me <laughs> either. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, but I, where I came into recovery, the adults just absolutely loved me. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I loved them because they were able to buy cigarettes and I wasn't. <laughs> and they <laughs> loved on me and they, they really looked out for me. So it, it, I mean, it was a great, it was a great partnership <laughs> being, um, you know, young and, and then having these women to just, just be there and be, be my rock. And I, I really looked to them because I viewed myself as this very young, immature little girl and I needed to learn how to become a young woman. And that's what I needed the adults for. Um, go ahead. No, that's great. That's really that's fantastic. That's that's sure how, how recovery works for sure. What what are some do's and don'ts for um, adults in recovery that are that have young adults coming into meetings? What what are do's and don'ts that are helpful? Definitely don't you know make any comments about like there's no way that you could you know be an alcoholic or, or an addict or, or anything like that, you know, respect that we, that they recognize that they have a problem, whether it was as severe as yours or not. Take them seriously. We should be, you know, encourage them to make a healthy, positive choice, no matter how much they were or weren't drinking. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and don't ever minimize their problems. You know, I might not have been old enough to get married when I came into recovery, you know, so I, I, you know, I wasn't having divorce or issues with, you know, my not being able to see my children or losing a job or anything like that. But I still had problems. And for me, and, you know, being young, they were just as serious and just as important to me as the adult, quote-unquote, problems are. Um, you know, because often I was, you know, oh, you, that's not really a problem. Like, you know, who cares that your boyfriend ignored you today? Like, I have a real problem. It's like, well, for my young adult life, this is a real problem. So definitely take them seriously, continue to welcome them and support them, and encourage them to find what works for them. You know, maybe that particular room that they walked in isn't the best one for them. Um, Maybe they're not able to get what they need from there, but continue to help them to find what works. Right. That's great. That's that's a really, really, really important. And uh, because recovery is about everybody, it's about people helping each other and uh, not making those unhelpful distinctions. That's for sure. That's for sure. Right. Yeah. So um, you've you have already worked in the addiction treatment field um, at a at a treatment facility. What did you learn there from doing that? I think I learned the most about myself during that whole process. I, you know, initially thought I, I wanted to make my profession solely being clinical work. And I went and, and I experienced it and I learned a lot about my personality and my unique gifts and skills. And, and I learned that that might not be where I am the most helpful. So that was just in terms, you know, career-wise and professionally and academically, that was a huge learning opportunity. Um, you know, and, and I really learned how grateful and appreciative I am of all the folks that work in the treatment industry and for saving my life. 
and for putting up with me when I know I was completely annoying and I was starting drama and I was, you know, just a handful. You know, how, how much that takes. Um, you know, when you work in the field and, and on to that, I learned how important it is to take care of yourself. You know, right. just because I, you know, was working in a treatment facility and maybe took the clients to a meeting, that doesn't mean that I then don't need to go to a meeting on my own. You know, I still need to take care of myself and continue to do things outside of work for my recovery. Um, you know, my, my, my job and the clients there cannot, that cannot be recovery. So I see that happen a lot and burnout is really high and, and again, tell people what you need. If you need to take a moment to breathe, if, if you need to have a day off, if you need to do some, whatever you need to do, do it. Um, cause that's the way we're going to be most effective is when we're taking care of ourselves. Thank you, Sarah. We're going to take a break right now in the spirit of recovery. Stay with us, and we'll be back in just a moment to continue our conversation about Young, Joyous, and Free with my guest, Sarah Nerad. John is looking for adventure. Mumbai is a must-see, and the night safari, that's one for the life list. Joe is seeking a little Eastern enlightenment. As the Buddha said, it is better to travel well than to arrive. Both find peace in daily meditation. Both Joe and John will find exactly what they're seeking on Spirit of the East, a 14-day voyage from Singapore to Mumbai. And so will you. Join us April 17th through May 1st, 2013. Spirit of the East, a perfect blend of relaxation and adventure. Explore more at unity.org slash spirit of the East. Speaks Louder Than Words is an inspiring, informative, and fun hour of uplifting, heartfelt music and commentary that delivers a powerful message of love, joy, and oneness. It will keep you smiling and singing along. Your hosts, Reverends Dale Worley and Christy Snow, are alive with the Spirit of God and singing their love to you. Each Thursday afternoon at 3 p.m. Central Time with Music Speaks Louder Than Words. Music, it's the only thing that the whole world listens to. Music speaks louder than words when you sing. You've been listening to Spirit of Recovery, the place where spirituality and recovery meet with Rev. Anna Schaus, Ph.D. If you have a question, comment, or experience with today's topic you'd like to share, call us now or email us at spiritofrecovery at unity.fm. We now return to Spirit of Recovery. 
Welcome back to Spirit of Recovery. We're very glad that you're with us today. And if you're just joining us, our topic is Young, Joyous, and Free. We're talking about the great waves of energy, enthusiasm, and optimism that young people in recovery are making today. And my guest is Sarah Nerad. Sarah is a young person in recovery herself who's had lots of experience and training in uh, working with the process of treatment and prevention. And she has a lifetime commitment to helping other young people have the opportunities that she's had for a rich recovery experience. So, Sarah, you have started a program with a colleague. You've started a a company called PTR Associates Prevention, Treatment, and Recovery, and that's at ptrassociates.com. How did you get started on that? What's your purpose? Yeah, I kind of came to this place where I in myself where I I wanted to know what I could do to make a difference. And I really felt blessed and fortunate that I had so many opportunities uh, to support my recovery, to enter recovery, and and to really grow and flourish in it. And I realized that a lot of other young people don't get those same opportunities that I have had, you know, as far as treatment and private counselors and getting, you know, schools and colleges to support your recovery and leadership development, having great job opportunities. Like a lot of folks in recovery don't get that. So what can I do to make a difference? And, you know, I realized that I wanted to, well, I always wanted to own my own company. So if I focused on a company that provided services to help the prevention, treatment, and recovery world really support and sustain youth and young adult recovery, that that could be, you know, my contribution. Um, You know, because when I started being open publicly about my recovery, all of these, you know, federal agencies and organizations were so excited. You know, they came to us and they were saying, you know, we've been wanting to find, like, a group of young people like this. You know, we always want to know what you guys think and how we can improve and how we can create more effective messaging and how we can engage the young people and provide trainings for them. And people want the young people to help them, you know, do the best work that they can do for their other young people that they service. And, you know, I've been so blessed to have opportunities to learn how to do this and have been able to network and and meet great people. So I'm just so excited to be able to continue to to spread the message and help folks all over the country help their young people better. Great. What kinds of prevention activities uh do you see as productive, maybe some you're engaged in, maybe some you have as a vision for the future or some that other people are doing now? What works in prevention? Right. I've seen, I know there's a lot of talk right now about the prescription drug abuse prevention, and I'm starting mm-hmm. to get involved with that at Ohio State University. We have a conference this summer coming up, um, the Generation RX collegiate conference, and you know, I think a really cool thing with that is initially it was solely focused on prescription drug abuse prevention, but they added on a day just of recovery, of collegiate recovery. You know, I think I think that's a huge shift that I hope to see in the field as far as when you talk about prevention, we also got to talk about relapse prevention. And, I mean, recovery is prevention. Well, I, you're preventing me from, from backsliding and from being able to continue to grow and move forward. So um, I'm hoping to get involved and do work, you know, on campus and with other schools as, as far as using, you know, the lived experience of people in recovery to help tailor prevention messages. 
and I've done some work on different projects. Um, you know, because I remember what prevention efforts were made in my elementary school, my middle school, and my high school. I can tell you what, you know, my parents did and didn't say, or my son's parents. You know, and especially as someone that is going to continue, go on with their life and use drugs and alcohol, how do you effectively reach them? You know, I think, I think a lot of folks already know, I knew internally that I was going to use drugs when I got a little bit older. So how could, what messages would have been effective with me to at least be safe? You know, and, and don't, you know, how to make the choices that I was going to make but cause the least amount of harm to myself and to others. Um, you know, I think that, that would be really effective, um, you know, work especially with, you know, college campuses and, and high schools where, you know, this behavior is going to go on, but at least just be smart and be safe about it. Right. What do you see as effective that's, that you experienced um, already or that you see happening? What, it, what are some of the effective prevention messages, or as you said, at least be safe messages? Sometimes that's really the place you have to start. Right. I've seen some really cool ones, kind of a play on the keep calm and carry on. Mm-hmm. You know, that's saying, like, keep calm and take a nap. You know, different self-care messages. And this one directly related with the prescription drug abuse, because if I'm taking care of myself in all ways, physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually, I'll be less likely to you know, take Adderall so that I can study because, you know, I'm so stressed out and I, and I need something that I think is going to help me perform better. You know, if we're taking care of ourselves, we're less likely to make bad decisions in the heat of the moment. And I, and I think that whole promoting, like, overall wellness, just take care of yourself, that works for everyone. Mm-hmm. What kind of treatment is effective for young people? I can't remember what some movie I saw. Oh, I like this movie. It's a little bit older now, Traffic. And um, it, it has a wonderful message. I love that movie. But there was a scene in it where the, the young daughter, who I think was still in high school, they sent her off to treatment, and it was this completely adult-oriented treatment. And she left. She escaped one day. And I thought, oh, no, don't tell people that's where they send teenagers. Yeah. Real. So what does work for teens or for young adults in treatment? I think helping youth and young adults find their identity, you know, really learn who am I, I think is is incredibly helpful. I've seen in myself and then in my peers, you know, from back home in Houston and at college, you know, the difference that that makes when they have, when they really know their identity and their sense of purpose. Um, I think those that they have a strong sense of self make it. Um, I also think that, you know, effective treatment is to, to help folks learn, you know, what they like doing. Like, I literally needed to get a life <laughs> um, and like, in, in every sense. You know, I needed to, comp- you know, you're telling me you need to leave everything from your past behind and start new. Well, what does that even mean? What do you, what do you I don't understand what that, what that meant and what all that was going to require. So helping folks get plugged in, you know, like I had said earlier, I got really plugged in academically. I learned how fulfilling and how much I could really learn by getting involved, you know, at my high school and then on my college campuses. So I think, and that's not going to be the the solution for everyone, but to to help these young people find ways to fill their time, to feel good about themselves, to be able to give back, and to continue moving forward. 
in their lives. I think when we start to get complacent, um, it doesn't feel that good. And we get, like, we get very bored easily. So help us get a life and figure out who we are and then equip us with the opportunities to do those things well. You know, um, empower us, build us up, give, us, give them opportunities and trainings to go out and be successful. You know, it's, it's really tough to stay in recovery when everything around you is falling apart and you don't have any skills to really go back out and, and to come up at all. You know, but if you, if you give them those skills, and it's much easier. Especially with young people because we literally are, are, are growing up and we can decide we want to become whatever we want. And so it's this opportunity that all, you know, we should be encouraged to try out any different, any different thing because um, we have the time and that's what normal young people are doing. Like I think that was something I always um, struggled with is I wanted to be like all my other friends that weren't in recovery. I wanted to do what they're doing. And I, I didn't want to feel restricted by my status as a person in recovery. This is kind of a, a, a goofy question. I'm going to throw you a little bit of a curveball. But uh, being that you are in recovery now, that you've got this uh, foundation, that you're working on it, how do you see yourself when you're 40 years old um, in, term, in relation to your life in recovery? What, what would be a vision, do you think? Of that, as you I would, go for. Oh my gosh, when I'm forty, I would still, I would still like to be in recovery. I would still like to have this passion and fire for it, and the drive to continue to work to make changes. Um, and I would, I would just like to be happy. I would like to still be happy and having fun. I have no idea career-wise because I want to do so many different things. I, I want to. Sure get involved in, I want to get my hand in everything, but I think I definitely always want to keep my recovery and my happiness mm-hmm. at the top. Great. And do you, like, how would, how do you think that the fact that you do now have a, a, a recovery life, that you do have tools to build a sense of self that maybe somebody that's maybe didn't have the disease of addiction is not in recovery you know, they've got whatever tools they have, but they don't have those tools. How do you see your life, again, as you continue uh, to move into uh, other years of adulthood? How do you see your life being enhanced by these recovery principles? I definitely think I know how to handle stuff that life throws at me. My my spirituality help, helps me deal with these things that are thrown at me, my, my faith and my hopes. Um, and the, the recovery support system, that everywhere I have moved, it has been there. You know, I have friends all over the world. I don't even know probably any of them. You know, but I think that's one of the huge benefits of recovery is that I will always have that support network um, that a lot of, you know, other folks don't have. Mm-hmm. It's like it, it opens a door to a whole uh, rich way of life uh, that's absolutely such an enhancement. Yep. Sarah, our time is up, but thank you so much for being with us today. Um, you just inspire me, and thank you for uh, the work that you're doing, and I appreciate your commitment to your own recovery and your commitment to creating opportunities for other young people. So thanks so much for being uh, my guest today here on Spirit of Recovery. 
Thank you so much. Be with us uh, next week. We'll be back having another excellent guest, and have a blessed week. Thank you for listening with us today on Spirit of Recovery. Thank you for tuning in to Spirit of Recovery with Reverend Anna Schaus, Ph.D., and her guests. Join Anna and her guests live every Tuesday at 4 p.m. Central, 2 p.m. Pacific for down-to-earth ideas on keeping spirituality in the heart of your recovery. Spirit of Recovery, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. This program is brought to you in part by Soul Matters Ministry in Olympia, Washington, committed to bringing light to the soul. Online at www.soulmatters-spiritworks.org. Are you ready for the next steps on your spiritual path? If you are, you won't want to miss the Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Reverend Ellen Grace O'Brien from the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment in San Jose, California. Essential insights and practices from the ancient yoga science of self-realization show us how to live healthier, happier, more balanced lives. The benefits of spiritually conscious living start now. For a time-tested method to live with purpose and realize your infinite potential, tune in to The Yoga Hour, Living the Eternal Way, with Rev. Ellen Grace O'Brien, every Thursday morning at 10 Central, 8 a.m. Pacific, only on Unity FM, the voice of an awakening world. Inspiration only takes a moment. We invite you to focus your attention inward with these words from Elizabeth Searle Lamb. This is a new day. Lead your conscious mind to that still haven of your soul where your indwelling Christ opens wide the doorway of your heart. At once, mind, soul, and body, you are flooded with the light and love of God. You are lifted high above this earthly plane and filled with the radiance of spirit. Send this love and light on to those whom you hold dear so that it may uplift, heal, and comfort them. As you send this radiance on, you are filled with a new sense of God's power, and you release this power to the whole world to uplift, guide, and bless all people. A day's tasks await you. But God is with you, and with God's help, all shall be done perfectly. This meditative moment is brought to you by Unity. You've seen reality TV. Well, now get ready for reality radio. It's raw, unpredictable, and completely unscripted. Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels follows the lives of four people each season as they face their fears and overcome challenges. Listen in weekly and follow along as they take each faithful step on their journey. Learn what it takes to really heal your life. Dr. Chris Michaels shows you how to expect specific and measurable results from prayer. He says we must place a demand upon consciousness. We don't hope to get what we pray for. We expect it. 
As a 25-year veteran in the New Thought Movement, Dr. Chris has helped thousands of people find their way to success and healing. His faith is unshakable, and his commitment to helping others heal through the power of prayer is extraordinary. Don't miss Reality Radio, Healing Your Life with Dr. Chris Michaels, live Mondays at 11 a.m. Central Time on Unity Online Radio. Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries, sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify. Spotify. 